This is episode 46 of the Golf Performance Group podcast. I'm your host, LeBron Palmer. We also have... Oh, JJ Wood. And we have a special guest with us today. So if you remember last week, we had Mario um, Carmona on. He talked to us about his experience at playing in the U.S. Open. And then we have a special guest this week who just recently coached a player to his first tour win. So, JJ, I'll turn it over to you for the introduction. All right. So we have uh, Neil Smith, uh, performance coach. Is that still the, the title you go by? Yeah, like I'm a, I'm a golf resource and I focus mostly in the mental game area. Yeah, and, in, and on Cameron's team, I'm, I'm the sports psychology consultant or mental game coach. He, he has a technical coach back in Australia, as well as uh, a few other people that are involved in different areas. Yeah, so, all, so I got to know Neil, uh, I guess, it was probably my third year at Pepperdine. I was struggling. A friend from USC uh, by the name of Taylor Wood, same last name, we were playing together, and he just started talking to – or uh, just started working with Neil and told me, I looked like a basket case pretty much. And uh, he knew a guy that his coach set him up with and gave him a call. So, you know, I gave it probably another week and I remember going to qualifying and shooting not good scores. So I called him up and from there, it really transformed my golf, uh, my golf game, but not only my golf game, also kind of my mindset. I mean, the same principles apply in life as they do, you know, in, in golf. So, uh, I'll let him explain. I tell his story all the time uh, to students um, about, you know, how you started playing golf and going to the PGA Tour. And so I'll, I probably exaggerated it in my head a little bit. So I'll let you uh, explain kind of your golf journey uh, or background and how you got to where you're at. Well, my I was late to golf because I was heavily invested in track and field as a teenager. I was uh, quite a good high jumper in Australia and I got onto our junior national team and uh, had been to the 84 Olympic trials. Um, I was on a good trajectory to at least make the Commonwealth Games team or possibly the Olympic Games team. Uh, but I tore my Achilles and rehabbed and it didn't come back that great. And I kind of fell into golf for something to do. Um, so then I did my undergrad degree in education and sports science and was always interested in the, the psych area. Uh, as well as training and just all the performance areas in, um, you know, in, in sport and um, end up doing a master's degree in uh, applied sports psychology under Ken Revisa, which was a great experience. And then when I finished that, I turned pro and wanted to give professional golf a crack. So, um, you know, I just played, was playing on a local mini tour in Southern California. And then um, at one Pivotal day on the range where I changed my grip, started playing well, and two months later I won Q School and was on the tour. So, wow. so how long have you have you been playing golf until you won the PGA Tour qualifying school? I, I dabbled as a teenager, but uh, I probably heavily started playing and practicing when I was twenty, and then I got was on the tour when I was twenty six. One interesting thing wow. was like the the Hawaiian Open, which was the, my first tour event, was the seventh four round tournament I ever played in my life. I still have that fact correct. I say that seventh multi-day. I say multi-day uh, tournament of your life. So here, here yeah, this so, is, this so is I was crazy. fairly, fairly, I was fairly green, to put it lightly. So, <laughs> so yeah. what, what's crazy to hear is just how me and JJ talk about this often on just performance in general. So you were clearly a great athlete. You know, you were track and field, um, high jump, which is 
one of the more difficult and strenuous training that you have to go through um, in track and field. And then you ruptured your Achilles and were still able to transfer your athletic ability from track and field to golf. That, that's, that's a difficult thing. So yeah, we, and, and I would say um, I was blessed to be a good athlete. I, you know, I, I was good at most sports and, um, and, and I would say the high jump stuff came quite easily to me, whereas the golf stuff I had to work really hard at. Wow. Both, I would say, technically and attitudinally. I probably had a better attitude and uh, body for high jumping, and I had to work really hard to become a good player. So, so what was your uh, – we'll talk about you as a player first. So what was your training style? Did you take a bunch of lessons when you were 20 years old, and, or did you – you know, how, how did you go work on it? Because you would have been like a recreational golfer like most of my students, right? Like me. Like <laughs> um, I was starting to play tournaments. I had a, a coach in Sydney that I would see probably once a month. Uh, there was a lot of self-practice and self-play. Um, in Australia, one of the things I think that's good for development is that there's less practice and more playing. Most people, especially in developmental phases, play a lot more. Like a lot of courses don't even have a range. They have a net to warm up and, and then you go play. Like as a kid, you'd often play 36 holes or 45 holes a day. There wasn't a lot of practice. You know, so uh, it was a luxury if your course had a range. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But even on the range, um, like it was hit your own balls, go pick them up. It wasn't like a U.S. range. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, but, but, that was, but that was motivating um, to keep your pattern nice and tight so you didn't yes. have to walk too far. <laughs> yes. So, I don't know. You know, I, I, like when I was at Pepperdine, we had the, the open field we had to hit into. Right. When I first met Neil, I was my driver was everywhere, so I just wouldn't hit it. That wasn't a, probably a good. Now, Neil, let's let's be honest. It, well, well, I don't the, want the really But JJ really a head case, you know. He tell he he tries to talk to me about my mental game. I'm probably the worst attitude on the golf course possible. What was JJ really a mental case when you got him? Because he's all zen now. He's zen like now. <laughs> hey, we're all mental to some degree. It's just where we are on that journey, right? Yes, yes, yes. So I'm just way down the road, Brian, 15, 16 years. But um, unfortunately, I, it's, a, it's a sliding scale. We can go backwards. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> so, and I, I learned that. So when I was at Pepperdine and I was like, you know, all in on Neil Smith's, uh, listening to the visualization CD, doing the worksheets, then I transferred to OU and I'm in North, well, that's Brian, Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah. And so now I'm uh, like a freshman again because we had seven incoming freshmen. And I'd go to all their meetings and all that. But I just started, you know, looking for girls and drinking beer and not doing my worksheets or my, you know, my visualization CD. And my stroke average at OU my last year was like 0.7 a shot or a shot higher than it was the last year at uh, Pepperdine. And I realized towards the end of the year, I was trying to li listen to the, you know, the visualization CD and start to catch up because I realized I started getting you know, that antsy anxiety, I guess, you know, on the course again, because I hadn't been working on it. And so yeah. I feel like you have to work on it. Now that's all I work on, because it's easy to lay there and, you know, meditate, but uh, it's hard to go hit balls. <laughs> yeah, but the, JJ, that's a classic story. Like, think about one of the concepts that we teach is the recipe for success. You, you, you addressed some of the issues from Pepperdine, you're making good progress. There was uh, a new recipe for success that was going well, that, but you, then you forgot some of the ingredients or neglected them. You yeah. know, and guess what? Your, your cake didn't taste that great for a while. Yes. You know, yeah. That's part of the, 
that's part of the the goal for any athlete is figuring out okay of the key performance components what's the key ingredients you need to focus on uh, how do you bake your cake well so it comes out you know in the way that you uh, how it looks and how it tastes you know and it's always interesting for tool players is um, keeping that recipe together as the context shifts through their life. So let's talk about um, some of the tour players. Now, we know that you work with a number, and of course, we referenced it as we got started. Um, Cam Davis won his um, first, you know, PGA Tour event. But what, what, you know, what was that process working with him? Obviously, you know, he's a high-level athlete, but on the mental side of things, you know, what, what, are, what are some of the support items that you support with, and how do you get your players ready for these big events? Well, this particular uh, win was interesting because he'd, he'd played a lot in the last few months and was getting pretty fried. It probably overplayed. And he, he doesn't have many two-week breaks, and he decided to have a three-week break. Okay. So um, that was really good for him for a refresh and reset. Um, I went up to Seattle the weekend before the Rocket Mortgage to work with him on the weekend up there. Uh, that went well. Then we went over to Detroit together. Um, the preparation went well there. He got off to a good start in the first couple of rounds. And it just kept evolving in the week where you know, he was near the lead most of the week. And, you know, and often in professional golf, you can have the good hour or the bad hour. You know, and then he had a really good hour coming in, you know, hold that bunker shot on 17, yeah. uh, played 18 beautifully, and then didn't miss a shot in the playoffs. So, you know, and it, like yeah. winning on tour is a big deal. I What's that? Uh, Sorry. We were, we were just Sorry, listening. JJ, repeat that. Uh, oh, I, I said yeah, both no, and the then, shots they were hitting were unbelievable in that playoff. <laughs> no, he, like he, he barely missed a shot from 11 onwards the final round because um, – Honestly, the start of the round was pretty scratchy. He he kind of boned it over the over the green on number one, like thirty yards over the green, and got it up and down, and had a really tight short side on number two and got it up and down. He could have been two over through two easily, you know, and uh, and he scrapped it around honestly through the first ten holes, but managed it pretty well. Uh, but then something clicked in his swing, uh, a feeling, and then he really flushed it for the rest of the day. And the, no. and the first win is always important for a PGA Tour player. It changes your schedule. You get in a lot more things. Um, you know, obviously, the money is helpful, but it's more about uh, creating a schedule where you can really start to challenge yourself in some of the bigger tournaments against the stronger fields. Yeah. Um, so, Neil, I wanted to ask, I have two main questions, uh, and I know we have limited time because you're out there in Chicago, but... Uh, uh, one, I know you're involved with the Australian national team, or you have been, and I have a varsity group here uh, at the Golf Academy for high school players, and uh, I model it basically, you know, what you you kind of introduced me to, performance style training and coaching. I, you know, they may have an instructor somewhere else, um, or they may work with me, but we focus more on skills and drills and playing. We play nine holes at least once a week in the group. Because uh, we only meet twice, but but how would you say the Australian, uh, you know, I guess P, I don't know if it'd be PGA of America or PGA of America, PGA of Australia, or what the coaches are being taught in Australia? How does that differ from the traditional PGA of America model, where everyone's kind of programmed to take one-hour golf lessons and work 
90% pretty much on technique versus the other components. I have your performance pie up right now. So I'll show you that, Brian, after the thing. But uh, how I say U.S. PGA training is more, it's changing now, but it's 90% technical and physical uh, versus how would you say Australians are kind of brought up in their training programs? Well, it's difficult to lump all Australian coaching and coaches into one category. So it's, it's not a centralized program. There is a Golf Australia program that is at a national level, but a lot there's a lot of flexibility within states and within coaches to coach the way that you see fit, you know, so there's not a national model that you must do A, B or C, you know, so, uh, but I think I would say in general, it's a more, probably a little bit more holistic approach in that uh, there's more attention on um, mental nutrition, um, you know, the other key performance areas other than just technique and or uh, physical training. Uh, there's probably a blend of that. Uh, one of the beauties of Australian amateur golf is the, the number of high-quality tournaments the kids get to play at a reasonable cost. Uh, one of the beauties of Australian golf is, like I used to be a junior member at my course for $20 a year. So it's very wow. accessible. Um, there's lots of role models that, that play level, uh, play high-level golf around the world. Uh, you know, And most junior tournaments you could play for 10 or 20 bucks. You know, so it's the accessibility, I think, at a really low level to get started, I think, is important. And then uh, Australia has a great sporting culture in general, not just in golf, you know, and um, you know, they pride themselves in excellence in sport. And golf's just one of the areas that uh, uh, follows along down there. And, and there's, I think, good pride in being good coaches in Australia. So, um, you know, I think it's a combination of things. Uh, golf Australia's done a nice job of, um, helping uh, in talent identification, um, player development, and then player opportunities. Because uh, one of the areas that a lot of national programs struggle at is the transition from strong amateurs to young touring pros. And they've done a good job of supporting people when they leave the national team uh, and all the state teams and trying to find status on major tours around the world because that's a gap for nearly virtually all players because, yeah. like, say, in the U.S. system, the college system is very strong, but then once you leave that, you've got to find status. Yeah. You know? And some players can get lost can get lost in that in that one to three years, you know, or even longer sometimes. Um, you know, and if they've come from highly structured high school and or college golf programs, they can kind of lose their way a little bit when they're on, on their own sometimes. And, you know, some of the mini tour stuff can be a bit of a grind. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I know when I was a college coach, I was recruiting a kid named Clay Fiedler. And I went out and watched the national championship. And I know you had worked with him. I'm not sure if you still do. What is it? Pepperdine was so deep. And that they had Clay Fiegler in that three spot. And uh, just going off the rankings of golf stat, they had like seven or eight guys, you know, ranked really high. And he wasn't ranked. What is he like a bulldog? What type of player is he? Because obviously they had him in the lineup and I watched his matches and he was just like fearless. And I mean, you could tell he wasn't up to Austin Eckroat's, you know, a talent level, but he dominated, you know. And so uh, what, can you, you kind of explain or maybe there's nothing, but. I was trying to explain to my girlfriend, like, he must be just that fighting mentality never gives up because he's playing three men where they had a couple guys sitting at home that were, you know, really, really good players. Yeah, uh, well, I'm still helping Clay, and he's, he's, he's had a really good couple months. Like, 
Um, he went to that form tour qualifying a few months ago and won that. Uh, he was really starting because he struggled a little bit last year and this year has Im improved his skills and um, back onto some better mindset stuff. Um, you know, but also like the, I think the stuff at national championships was an indication of the kind of player he can be, you mm. know. So he's played a lot of good golf in his life already. You know, that was not a surprise to me. Yeah, um, he's yeah, but and but also, you know, he's worked on his mental game for seven or eight years now. Yeah, from a young age in high school, which yeah. So I think that hey, it's a great time to learn those skills and those concepts and the, the mindset stuff that goes along with that. Um, and it also gives you a healthier perspective on the ups and downs in golf. It's going to happen. Like this, everyone has cycles in their game, even for the best players. So he rode through the, the down cycle last year pretty well and came out this year stronger and, um, you know, and obviously you earn confidence, I think in golf and like when you, when you consistently perform and, and do well, you really earn that level of confidence that you really grow belief in your skills and your ability to be a good competitor. Yeah. Because there's that you, you can look at a mini tour event and see lots of people with very high skills. It's the application of those skills, which we know, are. um, it's not just technical, it's mental, physical, strategic, you know. And there's also the it factor of like people that just like being good competitors, you know, like competition and are good competitors. Yeah. Well, Neil, we know we, we know you got to get out of here. So maybe, maybe before we have you go, is there any tips that you would give an amateur? We know you work with pros, but is there any tip maybe that you would give with amateur? And if you have social media or anything like that, we definitely want to um, share with our audience where people may be able to follow you. And JJ, it looks like you got um, something. Yeah, I was going to, cause I was going to add on to that. Um, so <laughs> the same principles that make up a tour player, you know, let's say they own their game, they have a good mindset. What, what are those key variables? Would you say that, you know, the recreational player overlooks that tour players do that they could kind of emulate, I guess. Well, I mean, I see it in my club all the time. The guy comes from work, guy or gal comes from work, they're stressed from work. They race to the first tee and they can't believe they didn't drive it 300 down the middle. Yeah, it's amazing <laughs> so, what they think so, of it. So maybe, maybe set some expectations uh, of, uh, you know, getting to the course maybe 20 minutes early and maybe trying a warm-up, <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know, and maybe considering some practice, you know. <laughs> So that when they say they have an hour to go to the range, like like uh, LeBron or Palmer here does, and they, you know, they're they're so because they take technique lessons and they just want to bang balls. What would you advise them to do if they have an hour to, you know, get better at the course? Oh well, look, look. Obviously, when your skills are low, you've got to you've got to improve your skill set, right? So part of taking lessons and technical development is part of that. But once you start to grow those skills, it's the application of that that helps you better become a better player. And as we know, the practice environment in golf is not that great at transferring to playing the game, you know? And in most practice environments, it's too much blocked same practice and not enough random or variable practice, you know? So, uh, you know, I, I would say a good use of an hour would be, um, you know, 20 minutes of technique work, 20 minutes of touch work and 20 minutes of full routine, full routine work pretending you're playing. You know, that's a simple model, but uh, that would be a good application of time. Yeah, no, that's good. No, well, th thank you again. So uh, do you have a social media or anything like that that you'd like to share or? 
Uh, no, I actually, I've, I've made a conscious decision to do no social media, nice. which is probably, nice. which is probably a, an odd choice, but uh, it's comfortable. I'm comfortable. I use Facebook to remember friends' birthdays, um, but that's about it. And I, I don't have, uh, I don't do Instagram or anything else like that. So, no one's ever heard about. I sometimes I'll Google them when people want to after I tell a story. And I was on his testimonials. He's worked with all these PJ Tour winners. I was like, see how big time I'm at the top there on the testimonial. Work. Take him off your testimonial. <laughs> I might be off well, now, but I did. Ha I did have a website, but I've let it lapse. I need to get that going again as a way for people to find me. So um, that's processperformance.info, and that'll be back up again in the next couple months. Nice, nice. Yes. Well, well, clearly, clearly, you're valuable to. <laughs> the people you work with and a great athlete in your own right. So we, we appreciate you spending this, you know, 15, 20 minutes with us this morning to share your story. Congrats on the recent win within your right. players that you work with, because that's great also. And anything you want to leave the people with before we get out of here? <clears throat> yes. Uh, two core concepts. Know thyself, get thy shit together. <laughs> How can you do that now? The last one is the Yeah. <laughs> know thyself, okay. I'm gonna, I have my junior group in about an hour and a half. Don't like that one. Know thyself, and it's like an onion. There's layers of that, right? Yes. So, because often players are looking for the new shiny thing. I don't teach new shiny things. I have core concepts I believe in, but we've got to go deeper within those concepts. Yeah, You know, yeah. and the and the get thy shit together is like once you know what the key performance ingredients are, it's like are you prepared to do the work in those areas for a long time? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's been episode 46 of the Golf Performance Group podcast. If you like what you heard, follow us on Instagram at golf underscore pod. You can also follow us on YouTube at Golf Performance Group or JJ at JJ Wood Golf and me at LeBron o Palmer. It's LeBron and Arnold Palmer put together. Thanks so much.